This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. Hello. Hi. Why are we being so quiet? I don't know. It's spooky season. I was just looking at my skulls that are right above the view of my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being spooky. I can be like Cartman. Ew, spooky. <laughs> that was perfect. All right. Hi, friends. Hi, y'all. It's episode 63. 63. Mm-hmm. Fire. 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 It's so longer called arson. Yeah, it's just fire, fire. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. I, I like it. So this is our arson episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whichever one of those. Yeah. I mean, people burn shit down. That's just how it goes. Boy, do they. Mm-hmm. Good God. You know what else it is? It's, it's hump day. day. <laughs> I think that was kind of like a... My dance was real... Getting jiggy with it, kind of... My dance was real white today. It was, it was. Real white. We both did something different. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> I might as well be doing the Carlton over here. Oh, my God. It wasn't that bad. It, it wasn't that bad. Don't go there. It wasn't quite that extreme. It was, I thought it was pretty cute. So, <laughs> it was my turn for the hump day treat. Yeah. And I thought, since arson was the uh, topic... That we naturally should have a drink that has fireball in it. Yes. (laughs) So, I found this shot on Pinterest. Hi, Pinterest. Love you. (laughs) Hey, girl. (laughs) And it's called a cinnamon roll. Mm -hmm. So, it's one part fireball to three parts cream soda with whipped cream and cinnamon on top. And it's very delightful. It really tastes like a cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. I totally get the, the cinnamon vibe. The anemone vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's really good. It's really good. It's supposed to be a shot. We ain't shooting. Y'all, it's, it's Thursday. Okay, yeah. we record on a Thursday this time. So. We gotta we, go to work we tomorrow. We did not um, deter from the recipe. She actually did one part fireball because good lord, if she had done two. I know it's it's strong already. I don't think I could. It'd be way fireball-y. Like it'd be too much. It's too much. Okay, so yeah, cinnamon roll shots—they're delightful. Um, if I remember, I'm gonna remember. I'll post the recipe. I've got it screenshot on my phone. That's how I'm, perfect. How I knew what to buy. <laughs> Hell yeah! Look at you. I know. Proactive. I'm like a Girl Scout. Oh, super prepared. <laughs> I am so proud. So proud. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Go to uh, socials. Yeah, go to the socials. And while you're there, notice the event page for mm-hmm. October 15th mm-hmm. to walk the haunted trail with your podcast besties. Because, yeah, it's going to be fun. Believe it or not, it'll be my first time. I'm a haunted I'm... trail virgin. Oh, okay. Well, I've never been to the Devil's Knot. But I've been on a haunted trail. I'm um, haunted trail in general. Never been. My birthday's on Halloween, so that's kind of weird. So come help me. We're all gonna hold hands. 
Apparently. Apparently, we're going to have to keep Stephanie from swinging. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be... She's like, I'm going to swing. Are they going to jump out at me? Because I might swing on them. Yeah. It's it's going to be an event to remember. Definitely. Um, there may be a few goodies waiting for y'all there. Mm-hmm. We always talk about shenanigans. Can be a part of them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Join in the shenanigans. We'll, we'll and... let you sit with us. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> but you don't have to wear pink. Come Mm-mm. comfortable because yeah. you're going to be walking through the woods. Mm-hmm. Comfortable shoes. Sensible. Check the weather. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. in Louisiana. We don't know if it's going to be hot or cold. There's no telling. Mm-hmm. It, it could be raining. It could be snowing. Uh, There's a good tuned. chance it's not going to be snowing. But you might no. get a little chilly. So check the weather. It will be at nighttime. Um, What else? Spooky stories. Do that, friends. Oh, also. I got another one. I forgot to tell you. I got another one. I'll have to save it to our thing. Somebody uh, private uh, messaged me one. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. I like spooky stories. Dang. Yep. All right. We're getting a lot. Yep. So send them in, friends. Okay. Yep. Send in those spooky stories. I forgot to mention while you're on the event page. There, there's a, a little post on there. Oh, yeah. How would we forget that? You know. If you'd like to come hang out with us for free, mm-hmm. there's a little contest in there, and you only have to do three simple things. Like, share, and comment. So easy. So easy. But here's one thing I've noticed, you guys. Okay. If you don't like our page, if you share it, it will not show me that you shared it. It's, it, it shows me how many shares I have, but I can't see all of them because they haven't liked the page. Okay. It may be a privacy setting thing, too. It Possibly, but just kind of go and double check. Mm-hmm. Make sure you like the page. Make sure that when you share it, you make it public so we can see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And make sure it's from the original post, not from your friends. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the original post. Don't don't share from a share. Because we can't see that. It, well, I mean, I can, but man, that's that's a lot of work. It'd be easier to keep track of it if y'all could do it that way. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. And we may have prizes, like she said. We may have some prizes. You never know with us. We're just. We're wild cards. I don't, I don't, wild and crazy girls. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> God. All right. So let's, totally. uh, let's move along this little shit show. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else. Me neither. Summer party? Um, yeah, we will be doing an event page for our little pajama party coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to wait for us to get our little haunted trail over with and then watch for the online event for that. So you can come hang out with us live on Facebook for all mm-hmm. of you that can't make it to the haunted trail. We'll let y'all know what movies we're watching. If y'all want to watch along, mm-hmm. um, there will be shenanigans then get too. Get you some snacks, get mm-hmm. you some drinks. We'll have alcohol. It's a thing. Oh, we're definitely going to have alcohol. Mm-hmm. Wear your PJs. And, or Halloween uh, t-shirt, whatever. Yeah. And if or we costume. get enough people on at the same time, we'll do a little AMA. Yep. So, yep. We'll actually talk to you. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. Yep. We'll answer questions. And we'll do it honestly. Ooh. We'll do it honestly. Oh, yeah, because there's no hiding my face. I can't. It tells all. It it does. The I've, I've tried to have discussions with her to work on 
fix your face. Fix, yeah. And it's, she, she's well, not listening. So I turn red. So it's, it's a thing. <laughs> we give each, like, we give ourselves away. It's fine. <laughs> My nervous laughter doesn't do it first. <laughs> True C's. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay, now I'm done. That's Let's it. extinguish this horrible conversation. Oh, <laughs> good segue. Move right along to our arson episode here. Okay. All right, mine's a little bit shorter. I couldn't find some of the info. And um, just a little FYI for you. If you're anything like me at all, you will become slightly enraged. Ooh. And one of the reasons being... I could not find a list, a good comprehensive list or anything of all the places this fucker burned down. Well, that is bullshit. But the ridiculousness of this is going to tell you why I chose this one. Okay. Okay. So, my story is about Paul Keller. All right. Serial arsonist and murderer Paul Kenneth Keller terrorized the city of Seattle, Washington, during a six-month period between August 1992 and February 1993. Mm -hmm. He is thought to be responsible for setting up to... Drumroll, please! (laughs) 107 separate fires throughout the Seattle region. Okay. Paul eventually confessed to causing 76 of those fires in four counties, burning down homes, churches, and businesses in the worst serial arson case in state history, resulting in over $30 million worth of property damage. Oh, my God. My my face during that whole paragraph was just, oh, what? <laughs> There's your synopsis, okay, friends. thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. You have my attention. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul was born on January 6th, 1966, to George and Margaret Keller. He was born in Everett, Washington, and his parents were Lutherans. He has two siblings, Ruth Wacker. (laughs) Oh, no. And Ben Keller. Oh. Oh, Ruth. Wacker. (laughs) Go to the notes. Okay. okay. Here's one of two pictures I have. Go to Keller family. All right. And you'll see dear old dad and mom. And Ruth is on the left with her poor, unfortunate haircut. Why Why was that a thing? Yeah. And Ben is in the middle. And then we've got Paul there in the Navy. In the Navy. (laughs) I I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why I do the things that I do. I don't know, (laughs) but I love it. And I'm here for it. Paul graduated from Watson Groen. That's how I'm saying that. Christian school in Seattle. Works for me. Words are hard. They uh, are. I know. Paul had a history of being fascinated with fires. In fact, when he was around eight or nine, he set fire to a vacant house. His aunt also stated that he was a hyperactive child, but at the same time, he was bright and happy. As if hyperactive children couldn't be bright and happy. Thank you. My goodness. uh, Every kid is hyperactive at some point in time. Good grief. If you've ever had a toddler, you know. Oh, Lord. When he was caught setting fires in other incidents, the Kellers ensured that Paul learned about the consequences of his actions by having authorities lecture him on the dangers of fire. Yeah. He's sitting there going, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, Like the Charlie Brown Mm -hmm. Mm grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly how they sounded. As a young man, Paul Keller volunteered through his church, visiting elderly shut-ins and comforting their families when they became sick or died. Shut-ins? Yeah, like they couldn't leave the house. Okay. Elderly people that couldn't leave the house. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I thought it was like a forced thing, like a lock-in. It's where my friend, I was like, a shut-in? Y'all can't see it, but my hand is uh, over my face. I'm fine. She's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, thank you for that. But, the uh, elderly people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> were locked in at the rec center with their sleeping bags, and, and he went and visited. It's fine. <laughs> okay. My brain didn't go that far with it. <laughs> But that's cooler. In the school gymnasium. <laughs> I like that better. Oh, my god! So, they were having lock-ins. Yeah. Elderly lock-ins. school gym. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what we do. <laughs> As an adult, the same man pried off a window screen at a Seattle retirement home with 100 residents and set a fire by holding a lighter to the empty bed of an 82-year-old resident. Well. Quite the... Um, oh. Quite the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He even set some of his fires in Lutheran churches, a fact that would later be noteworthy since he was raised in a devout yeah. Lutheran family. Yeah. We got balls, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Uh, he he just he likes fire. It is what it is. <laughs> he usually started these fires without using an accelerant, instead opting to set fire to the exterior of a building. Paul claimed that he never intended to hurt anybody, but the police said that he deliberately targeted vulnerable people, mm. such as the elderly and families with small children. And he usually <sighs> started the fires when his victims were most likely to be sleeping. Of course. And probably because that was the easiest way for him to do it undetected, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're about to get to the meat and taters, but I got to drink some of this, uh, some roll. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mine's almost gone. It's so lovely. I really like it. And the whipped cream like softens it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. Y'all should try this one. On September 22nd, 1992, he set a fire in the Four Freedoms House retirement home that led to the deaths of three people. Bertha Nelson, 93, and Mary Doris, 77, died from smoke inhalation, while Adeline Stockness, 70, died from a heart attack brought on by the blaze. Damn. It's so sad. That is sad. so sad. Wow. (sighs) Poor Bertha lived 93 fucking years. And that's what took her down. Mm-hmm. Some uh, asshole with garbage. Lighter. The authorities initially attributed the fire to a cigarette butt. However, further investigation proved the fire started in multiple places. Mm. Investigators were able to create a profile of the arsonist along with a composite sketch. Paul's defense attorney, Royce Ferguson, the <laughs> name just makes him sound like garbage, <laughs> asked Judge Catherine Trumbull... To look into his past to explain the crimes. That makes me think of Trunchbull. <laughs> oh, I was like, <laughs> pause? What was that? <laughs> because, like, my brain yep, stopped yep, for a second. Because yep. it, it makes me think Trunchbull. It does. I was still stuck on Royce. <laughs> Royce. <laughs> <laughs> he calls Paul a misunderstood man whose psychological problems unleashed by alcohol and drug abuse 
caused an upper-middle-class professional to snap and destroy himself. Paul's life was marked by a series of traumatic episodes, starting with an untied umbilical cord at birth that nearly cost him his life, to undiagnosed attention deficit disorder that Ferguson, garbage lawyer, mm. argues led to his later criminal activities. No. No. After he had been sentenced, he spoke in an interview with the local TV station and claimed that he had been sexually assaulted by a firefighter when he was 12 years old. He said he did not want to use this incident as an excuse for why he started the fires, but said it was a contributing factor. Under the stress of bankruptcy and a failed marriage, he cracked. Okay. Those, they're, they're, I have lots of feelings. They sound like reasonable explanations on paper. They sound good, right? Mm, well, mm, but okay. Eh, so I, mm, let's dissect for a moment. Okay, all right. The umbilical. I wasn't cord. sure if we were going to go into it. We but can. Let's, let's do it. Let's all do right, it. Cool. The umbilical cord thing. Yeah, he may have some brain damage there. Yes. He might. Yes. That may um, hinder some of his cognitive abilities. That is a proven fact. That's true. The ADD, you can't use that, son. No, nope. you can't. Use there are that. a lot of people that have ADD, mm-hmm. ADHD. That no, no. No, 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 no. They are fully functioning adults, medicated or not. There, you can't, you can't use that. Being, being no. hyper and not being able to focus doesn't cause you to start fires. Fuck off. The part about being unleashed by alcohol and drug abuse. Okay, yeah, people do some crazy shit. Your inhibitions are lowered. Yeah, but you have to you already <laughs> have a predisposition for wanting to burn things down. Yeah, yeah. I would think that's that's, that's kind of embedded. And I can understand. Loves fire, okay, I love my baby flame it's candles pretty. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It is. It's mesmerizing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a line there. I ain't burned okay? a fucking thing down. <laughs> Nothing. <No. laughs> Nothing. Now the the sexual assault by a firefighter. That is ridiculously sad and Very. unfortunate that that happened to him and traumatic for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. But if that was his reasoning. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think he would be taking it out on that person or out on the firefighters, firefighters? not out on the general public? Kids. I don't really get that. I don't get it. Businesses, like random homes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you not just go target? I mean, please don't. But if, if that was his reason, if he was doing that for revenge, yeah. Why wouldn't he just go to go straight to the source? Or something similar. Fire Other firefighters. And, the fire or, try to burn down the fire station. I mean, seriously. I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not. I can't. I don't buy his excuses. Yeah, a, a C for wanting to take out yes. revenge with fire, but not what he took it out on. Yeah, just, no. like how does burning down the local Lutheran church that has nothing? That, yeah, how does that get back at that firefighter? There has been some trauma, possible brain damage. And stress can cause you to have, you know, a mental break. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I said, you got to have the predisposition, the want to, to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm pissed off. I'm going to go start a fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But anywho. His ability to draw the line and reasoning and Mm -hmm. right and wrong, just that that bridge is not there. Mm -mm. That's sad. All right. So get ready for some more garbage, friends. Great. Okay. Cool. Paul's father, George who was the one to turn his son into investigators after recognizing him in the police sketch, organized the drive to portray Paul in a sympathetic light. So you turn your son in. 
but uh, no, I, I, I don't if know. it was me, I, I, I'd have turned my son in because, okay, he needs help. He did something. He killed people, put him in jail and get him some help. You know, that's me from where I'm standing. Well, if it's a reoccurring thing. Yeah. Amanda, he killed three accident. people. He killed three people. I know. I'm, I'm saying just, this. I'm just doing a scenario now in for if, my own kid. <laughs> Yeah, my own kid. If he had done what this dude did, yeah, I would turn him in. Yes. But this next part is the garbage. So. Great. George received, he received a $25,000 reward, which he donated to the Trinity Lutheran Church in Linwood, one of the locations Paul had burned down. That was okay. awesome. All Good right. job, George. Good deal. Here's where we take the turn. Okay. He mailed letters to Paul's friends, family, and clients asking them to write to the judge and to a local newspaper to talk about their experience with him. His lawyer said the idea was to offset letters written by the victims. So for every complaint letter from a victim, they want to minimize that by a letter of how wonderful Paul is from somebody in his life. Well, yeah. I mean, they're garbage. That pisses me off. They can. That pisses me off. Yeah. Garbage. Um, access to Paul by the media was controlled by his lawyer. He was allowed only two interviews, one with a freelance producer who later sold hours of videotape to a Seattle television station and another with a local newspaper. Paul wouldn't do any more interviews because he didn't want to appear to be delighting in the limelight. Mm. That was, I know that was only for show. Yeah. I mean, that was a smart move, but yeah, it was all for show. With the focus on telling Paul's story, what's been lost is the impact of the fires on dozens of victims. This is what enrages me. This is the stuff you couldn't find enough info about? Yes, because all all I can find information on is Paul. How Paul is suffering. What's wrong with Paul? Mm. You know, what can we do to help Paul? I couldn't find anything about any. I couldn't even find a fucking picture of the retirement home he burned down and killed people in. Why are they being so secretive with him? I don't know, but I don't like it. Apparently, we need to write another letter. Stern letters all around. (laughs) (laughs) When somebody's house burns down and every single possession they had is gone, then to say it was only property does a real disservice to the victims, said Ellen Fair, one of two senior deputy, 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 (laughs) ma'am, prosecutors handling the case. When we look at the videotapes of Keller's confession, we don't see anything like remorse. At the very least, he seems completely unfazed by it all, she said. I think he's sorry he got caught. Yeah. I agree with you, Ellen Fair. Yeah. That that is the one thing I completely Mm -hmm. agree with. Dr. Gary Grinnell, a clinical psychologist who examined Paul, labeled him a pyromaniac, of course. Yeah. Fire endowed the weak child, Paul Keller, with power, he wrote. Mm-hmm. Paul told Dr. Grinnell he did not enjoy setting the fires. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Here's a quote from Paul. Great. Quote, when I knew I had done them, I was sad, not excited. No joy, just confusion or remorse. I thought, there goes somebody's business, end quote. But did he try to put it out? Did he well, call the fire fuck department? No. no, he didn't. Okay, well then shut up. Paul said in some cases he stayed behind to watch firefighters put out the fires because he was interested in the methodology of extinguishing them. See, fuck off, Paul. Mm. You didn't feel bad. Yeah. You hung around to see what happens. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-mm. 
Bullshit. Paul said he was drunk and sometimes on drugs before setting each fire. <laughs> Ellen Fair, badass bitch that she is, yeah. said she questions whether alcohol or drugs played as much of a role as he claims. After his arrest, he took investigators to many of the fire scenes, recalling in clear detail how and when he set each fire. Ah. Uh, Bro, you was not fucked up. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. I retract. <laughs> garbage. He's garbage. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were that messed up, you would not be able to remember all of that. It'd be a little fuzzy. What? I just took the last of the shot and got all the sour cream. And it was the thing. Whipped cream? Oh, shit. <laughs> Whipped cream? Please don't. I'm like, mine, mine doesn't taste like sour cream. What did you do to yours? <laughs> I didn't prank you again. What? I have only had a tiny shot of Fireball. This is just tired. <laughs> we got flu shots got- today. <laughs> Look, we got flu shots today. Okay. And now we're tired. For real. Tired and apparently... Getting buzzed on a shot of fireball because that's just what we do. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. You're welcome, co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning. <laughs> Investigators stated that the motives behind the fires varied. Lieutenant Randy Litchfield, who was a Seattle fire investigator, said, It's kind of an unfortunate luxury. You get to know a little bit more from each fire. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, that's kind of yeah. lame. On December 28th, 1993, Paul pleaded guilty for 32 of those fires and was sentenced to 75 years behind bars. Okay. Then he pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder for the death of the senior citizens. All right. Today, he is serving a 107-year prison sentence and will be eligible for parole in 2079. You think he'll make it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just no. At the sentencing, when the judge asked Paul if he had anything to say to the court, he responded with, quote, There could be days worth, but I'll leave it in your hands, end quote. Wow. All right then, friend. According to the Washington State Department of Corrections website, the 54-year-old inmate is housed at Monroe Correctional Complex. So, Keller's case was depicted in a 1995 CBS made-for-TV movie titled Not Our Son. Shut up. It starred Neil Patrick Harris (gasps) in the role of the serial arsonist. Wait. I think I've seen that. I have not, but I'm gonna. Oh, I'm definitely gonna watch it. And s- either way, Neil Patrick Harris is oh, the shit. Fucking Doogie God. Man. <laughs> oh, oh, love me some Neil Patrick Harris. He's so awesome. Paul's story was also featured on Forensic Files. Yeah, yeah. I have a picture of him from the Forensic Files episode. Okay. If you want to go to the notes? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of wondering what he looked like. He's wearing the glasses. Oh, and he's got the stash. And he's got a porn stash. Wow. And the receding hairline with the slick back. Oh, Lord. It's buddy. real bad, friends. Oh. It's real bad. Just just, it's, just go look. Just you go could look. get a tan off of his forehead. True story. Probably. I'm going to get sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> Who's getting a tan? I'm going to get sunburned. <laughs> You're you're inside my brain tonight, or I'm inside your... I don't know. I was going to say, Brittany, get some block. Give me back myself. (laughs) (laughs) Investigation Discovery's Evil Lives Here is a show that retraces many notorious crimes through the perspective of the culprit's loved ones. 
in the episode titled, My Love for My Boy is Unchanged. That is a long title for an episode. The case of Paul Keller is discussed. So, if you want to know more, maybe they got something I, I ain't got. Go watch one of those. But uh, that's all I got today. That's my case. Well, considering the title of that one, um, that might not uh, be uh, a perspective I wish to uh, view. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know as, as a journalist or podcaster, we are we do look at all aspects of it. But we just did that, so I don't want to do it again. Yeah, I'm not going to. Okay. That was good. Thanks. I'm I'm a little perturbed. It, it's good and garbage at the same time. I get it. <sighs> Holy shit balls! Are you okay over there? I just opened up your folder <laughs> and I saw pictures. <laughs> I see from the nose up, and that's not cute. <laughs> it's not that's cute. Not cute. <laughs> it's not like, at all. All right. Well, my case. Um, no trigger warnings this week. Cray. Yay. Yeah. So that's good. Two weeks in a row. And um, after listening to Britt's case, <laughs> we're both in Washington. Okay. Well, she, she's in one Washington, I'm in the other. It's fine. <laughs> but they're both Washington. Washingtons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, here we go. I'm going to talk about Thomas Sweat. Nice name for an arsonist. If you were an arsonist and had to pick your last name, uh-huh. that's a good one. Uh-huh. But every time I say his name in my head, because it's got two T's, I go, Thomas Sweatita. (laughs) Ma'am. So I'm going to try not to do that. (laughs) All right, here we go. From 1985 to 2000, Thomas A. Sweat terrorized the Washington, D.C. metro area. He was a serial arsonist, and his crimes claimed the lives of three people and caused injuries to many more. When authorities arrested him in 2005, after a two-year manhunt, they charged him with more than 40 fires. Mm. However, he has since confessed to a whopping 309. Good, sir. Okay. Uh, Making Sweat one of America's most prolific arsonists. And because of all his firebug tendencies, a jury sentenced him to life in prison plus 136 years. Good job. Yeah. I like it. Good on them. Yeah. Let's go see what this guy looks like, shall we? His last name's Sweat. <laughs> I know. It's like Keith Sweat? No. <laughs> that's definitely not Keith Sweat. No. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to call him, but I can't. I can't do okay. that. Okay. This dude has a lot of forehead. <laughs> he has a lot of forehead. They a both lot of forehead. do. Oh, my gosh. So, so much <laughs> forehead. Yeah. And, and his scowl, his he little looks frown. Mean. You can tell he does it a lot. He's got that permanent mm-hmm. crease. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look happy. Not even a little. Mm-mm. But, I mean, you know, judging by the way his face looks, if he smiled, that'd probably be even scarier. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. 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 We don't need that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Moving on. So he didn't face charges for his entire array of fires, however. The judge said at sentencing the charges were, quote, in no way a complete articulation of the crimes that were committed, nor the extent of the harm, unquote. Okay. Okay. Deemed a sociopath by some, Thomas seemed eager to brag about his crimes, which is why the public knows the true extent of the fires. Allegedly, the fires provided a sense of sexual gratification and power for him. Okay, then. Yeah. 
He corresponded with reporter Dave Jamieson from the Washington City Paper, discussing his crimes and motives in detail. It's called Letters from an Arsonist. Nope. No, it's not. (laughs) It's called Letters from an Arsonist. Okay. He said, growing up as a child, I never did the normal thing like learning how to ride a bike, play sports, do boyish things. He preferred playing house and pretending to be the lady next door. He often stole dolls from dime stores. Okay, don't steal things. No. But also, there's not boy things and girl things. All kids can do all the Thank things. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yep. He said he found shoes sexually arousing. I mean... <laughs> Swing! Swing! Depending on the shoe. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I have some shoes that I love as well. But uh, sexually Swing. arousing? Oh. No, thank you, please. So that was when he was a child. He used to sleep with his uncle's shoes and look into his parents' bedroom where he could see his father's shoes. Okay, that is a twist. Because mm-hmm. usually when you hear that, <laughs> it's Peaking feminine into- shoes. Mm-hmm. No, he, he likes men's, men's shoes. Men's shoes, okay. True to his foot fetish, he frequently pleasured himself over the footwear, preferring big shoes and big patent leather boots. Why? Why did you pick the man with the foot fetish? <laughs> I did I mean, not to yuck anyone out there's <laughs> yum, but me and feet are not a thing. No, it's not a thing. Like, okay, I picked it because we joke about having an OnlyFans <laughs> foot page all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. <laughs> I'm going to take a drink of my shot. Me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, second one is good, too. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we decided to sip on that, though. I know. I couldn't have shot that. I don't think I could have. Plus, these are big shots. Yeah. Sometimes it's you got to make It's more like a small got. cup. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm here for it. Me, too. I'm not arguing. I'm not complaining one bit. Okay. So, he successfully hid these turn-ons and obsessions for, for a little bit. Okay. His neighbors felt surprised by the arsonist's identity. One resident said he doesn't seem like the type he kept to himself, and he was a nice guy. They're always the nice guy next door. Others noted that he cut the grass and picked up trash. He lived in an apartment building owned by his sister at the time of his arrest. The quiet man worked as the manager of a combination KFC and Pizza Hut and spent his life working in fast food chains. Um... John Wayne Gacy and KFC. I know. So do we, I know. What I know. is happening at KFC? I don't know. But um, I've just saw, decided to call it KFC Hut. <laughs> so let's go take a, a look at uh, KFC Hut. That's... I didn't even know... I mean, I guess look, this was back in the are, day. Are these still a thing? The they combo are restaurants? Very, they are very much a thing. Usually it's a KFC with a Taco Bell. Yeah. Some of them are all three. Shut up. I am not kidding. When I was looking for a photo of it, I was like, wait, this is Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. What the fuck is going on here? That is insane. Holy obesity. What are we doing? (laughs) Man, if I would have come in contact with one of those. Oh, oh. During during my, um, let's just say what it is, my stoner days. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Had I had that and mm. I could get a fucking burrito, a little personal pan pizza, and some chicken. And some chicken. And some chicken, chicken strips. Uh-uh. 
done. I, I'd be on my <laughs> 600 pound life. I'm, yep. Look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a man. Yep. I ain't sad for any of those women. They all got men. <laughs> There's somebody for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that. And they are proof. All right. Let's, let, let's jump back into this. So it all began on a dark and chilly January night in 1985. Thomas was walking home through the streets of D.C. when he passed an attractive man. He decided to follow him and uh, attempted to meet him. Okay. Thomas kept his distance and watched the man walk inside his home. He wanted to see him again, but under one condition. The only way would be through fire. Why? Why is that the only way? Look, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He changed his clothes at home and drove his sister's car to a gas station. He filled a two-liter soda bottle with gas. That's probably why they got that rule. You have to use a gas can. (laughs) (laughs) Shit like that. Because of him. (laughs) And then people using Walmart sacks and paper bags and cardboard boxes. I've seen the cardboard box in person. Wow. They lined it with a trash bag? That's a whole other level (laughs) of ridiculousness. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to Shreveport. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Apparently that happens a lot. (laughs) Anyways, so with a two-liter soda bottle with gas, he went back to the man's home and set it ablaze. Okay. The man ended up on the porch in his underwear running from the fire, just as Thomas wanted. Yep. He suffered third-degree burns over 60% of his body. His daughter and stepdaughter also sustained burns. Sadly, his wife did not make it. Oh, my God. Yep. That is awful. You garbage motherfucker. Yep. I didn't like it. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. No, thank you, please. In another case, Thomas became friends with Tyrone, a boxer whom he had met while cruising on Georgia Avenue. Okay. They used to watch Dynasty together. Oh, my gosh. But he eventually became, like, totally obsessed with Tyrone. Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) He lit a fire at Tyrone's home where he lived with his aunt. No, thank you. Before starting the fire, Thomas broke into the basement and stole his clothes and his shoes. Oh, my gosh. He slept with the shoes at night to smell them. (gasps) Like a little stuffed animal. A little teddy bear. That is disgusting. It's gross. Why would you put their shoes by your face? It's gross. I don't. No. No, no, no. I don't like feet, and I don't Mm. like when they smell. Why do you want to smell them? I don't know, because, look. Everybody has their own thing. Mm -mm. That will never Mm -mm. be anything remotely close to a thing for me. When my 10-year-old daughter comes home from cheer practice and dance practice or whatever, and she takes off those shoes, good Mm -mm. God. Get out. (laughs) (sighs) That's so gross. I love her. She's amazing, but... It's not her fault. She's not a dirty kid, but anyways. All right. When Thomas began telling Dave, um, Dave was the reporter from the Washington paper or whatever, um, about his crimes, a recurring theme emerged. He felt sexually attracted to many of his victims and enjoyed seeing them climb frantically out of windows. It made Thomas feel like they needed his help. Uh, I have no words. Sick. That's the only one I got. Mm-hmm. Thomas also told Dave that the fires were partly about power. He said he sometimes set fires because he didn't want his victim to drive a specific car 
or felt the desire to own the victim's house. So the fire became a weapon to destroy it. He would pleasure himself as he left the scene. So he's just walking down the street whacking it because he set a house on fire? Yep. The fuck? Yeah. Yeah, he had a, he had a thing about, I don't know, like there was this one barber shop that he was attracted to one of the barbers there. Okay. Well, he turned him down. So he, he set it on fire. That was his set answer everywhere. to everything. Mm-hmm. Just set, it, Just on set fire. it on fire. Okay. The ATF led a thorough and long-lived investigation into the arson. After finding part of a plastic bag at one of the fires, investigators discerned that it had read, made in China for Cornelius Shopping Bag Company. I have a photo of the black bag. Okay. And a few of the little burnt pieces of rag beside it. But Okay. There's the bag. Have a nice day. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> what it reminds me of. Typical just black bag. Yeah. But they tracked him down. They found the two particular stores in the area that used this brand of bags. The ATF, the ATF affixed fireproof stainless steel chips to the bags. Holy shit. That's crazy. And an agent drove to each store daily to track used bags. Look, this is some high-tech shit for some plastic bags. A lot of work. A lot of work just Mm -hmm. for this. But via the store's security camera, and it was working. It was working. No shit. They could trace the chip to the person who obtained the bag on any given day. On September 14th, 2003, investigators got another big break in the arson case. A mother called the police after her sons told her about a man who had left a gasoline-filled jug at their home. Okay, that's weird. Mm-hmm. The boys said that um, they were coming home from clubbing. They saw a man sitting on their front porch who had claimed he was looking for a friend. Mm-mm. That's not suspicious at all. No, no. After the boys said they didn't know the alleged friend, the man left. But the boys' gut instinct kicked in, and they went around the block to see that what the mysterious stranger was doing. Okay. When they got back home, they found that his arsonist's little signature setup: a plastic jug, gasoline, and a cloth soaked in gasoline. I have a photo of the milk jug. Okay. It's what he left. It's what he does. Oh my goodness! And he left it on fire. No, that's just like that's a, just a picture a, yeah. to show an yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, the boys stayed awake until morning, scared he'd come back. Me of too. Course. And their mother contacted police as soon as she went home in the morning. The boys were able to describe the man to investigators, leading to the first sketch of the suspect. I have a photo of the sketch. This is awesome. Good pictures this week. Thank you. And now that you see what he looks like, the sketch. Mm, there's not enough the, forehead. The forehead. <laughs> <laughs> the forehead is too small. It's too yeah, small. There's not enough forehead. Okay. The only two things that I really see that are like wrong is the forehead mm-hmm. and the eyebrows. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, everything else is pretty close. Yeah. I mean, they've got the blank look and the, the nose is pretty similar. Yeah. But I wouldn't have seen him and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, him. no. Because yeah. there's not enough forehead. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. During investigation, police found a single strand of hair at the bottom of the abandoned bag. Ooh. After they performed a DNA test, investigators found it belonged to a black male. Authorities pieced together a psychological profile predicting that the man was likely anxious and lonely. Okay. I think Um, those are safe assumptions. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I watch a lot of criminal minds. (laughs) So we're practically (laughs) experts? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. yeah I mean, it seems legit. I concur. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to jump back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about, about uh, his military time in 1976. When he was 21, he tried to join the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> it all comes back. <laughs> That's why when you were like, when you were singing that, I was like, <laughs> me too. Um, the military rejected him when he failed the physical, and in Sweat's letters from prison, it was clear he never moved past it. He was angry at the Navy. That's why he set fires. He was pissed off at the Navy. Well, this one didn't set fire to naval recruiting offices either, so <laughs> he took it out on the wrong people. He sometimes filmed officers leaving recruiting stations and pleasured himself to the footage later. Um... What? Yep. <laughs> that's that's a what? good response. Right <laughs> he also broke into unlocked military vehicles to steal items of, of clothing, as well as papers and ID cards. He took enough to eventually create a personal Marine uniform, which he wore around the house. <laughs> he had a costume that he wore around the house. What was Navy. funnier than anything to me? Was your face? <laughs> that was funnier than than the whole that I was whole just part. Trying to get the sentence out because I just you got the sentence out and then your face went blank. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I can just picture this guy marching around. Oh that. my gosh! <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay. His military fixation, however, ended up being his undoing. <laughs> After authorities found a marine dress, hat, and pants at a fire in early 2004, it was a small fire. Unlocked the, unlike the big blazes that he usually started, um, they connected the DNA they found at the scenes of other fires. Okay. <laughs> the ATF approached the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, and the case finally came together. There were car fires near Marine Barracks over two years prior to the chain of arsons. They questioned Sweat when they captured a video of his car leaving the scene of a fire, but they failed to take any action. Oh, I hate that. Yep. Yep. That, but they, it's fine. They got it. <laughs> Everything's fine. In 2004, the ATF questioned him and asked if he would agree to a DNA test, and the connection and subsequent test cracked the case. Cracked. <laughs> Why do I always have a thing about crack in my stories? Uh, after the ATF's initial discovery linking the fire's materials and methods, law enforcement found the final piece of the puzzle, the DNA evidence. He inadvertently left DNA at some of his fires, like I said. Mm-hmm. Those fires arose from convenience rather than ca- careful planning. Obviously. So he typically used a scrap of his own clothing as a wick. You dumbass. He'd use, like, his socks or tear off pieces of his sweatpants or his t-shirt. That's the stupidest shit I've Dumb- ever I know, heard. I know. I know. He was too prideful. He he was obviously willing to boast about what he had done, so. Oh, my God. Police took him into custody where he admitted to his crimes within an hour and a half. I believe it. I believe it. When authorities apprehended him in 2005, he confessed to a fire in 1985 that killed a couple. Oh, no, thank you. Bessie Mae Duncan and Roy Pickett. Okay, 
Bessie Mae Duncan is the sweetest name on the face of the planet. I know. I love it. But it's sad. Mm -hmm. Investigators had initially ruled the fire an accident, um, the result of a carelessly discarded cigarette. Mm -hmm. The couple's children survived. (gasps) They They had kiddos. Yep. But they didn't learn until decades later that Thomas purposefully started the fire. Oh, that's so sad. They never formally charged Thomas for the fire and the deaths of Duncan and Piggott. Even though a court ruled the couple's cause of death as a homicide 33 years later. Okay. In one of his letters after his arrest, he said he went to the Duncan's funeral. No, no. He didn't identify his motivation, but it's possible he wanted to catch another glimpse of Pickett. He didn't know Pickett was in critical condition and had passed from his burns and asphyxia two months after the fire. Okay. He had no idea. The 1985 fire proved incredibly dangerous for the firefighters attempting to save the family inside. A spokesman for the D.C. Fire Department said, I thought for sure we had lost some firefighters. I've been to thousands of fires, but there's some that just stand out in your mind. Mm. This one is very vivid. Many suffered severe injuries. Oh, that's so sad. Likewise, many of Sweat's fires had repercussions other than death, property damage, Smoke inhalation and physical injury. Mm-hmm. In total, his fires claimed three lives, which I'm counting four. How? Because Duncan and Pickett, uh-huh. the, the wife, wife, and then this lady in 2003, um, a fire uh-huh. killed an 86-year-old woman named Lou Edna Jones, um, who a neighbor described as the neighborhood mama. That's all of the information I could find on her. So, Okay. I, I, I don't know if maybe that one just wasn't in there. Hmm. I don't know. I was like, wait, I count four. Yeah. I don't know if they're just not including one in his serial arsonist Maybe he stuff. didn't get charged for that one. I don't know. I don't know. I, I tried digging into that more, but every all of them just gave the facts about that. So hmm. The ATF officially tied Sweat to 50 fires, though the arsonist initially only pleaded guilty to 45 of them. But who really knows how many he actually set? I mean, yeah. he claims 309. That's yeah. a very specific number. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think he might be um, exaggerating just a little bit. Probably so. I'm going to hope. I-, I hope so. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's my case. Well. Um, I'm a The name is <laughs> something. <laughs> it is something. It His is something. Uh, sexual preferences are something. Ugh. And that forehead why, why is the something. The why? forehead is something. Ooh. All of it. <laughs> it was something. There you go. It was all something. It was all something. <laughs> Every bit of it. Okay. Well, let's um uplift our spirits a little bit. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. What's in the book this week? <laughs> okay. So, um, just in case y'all forgot, <laughs> we're doing stories out of the world's most haunted places. It's a Life magazine special. So... This week we are doing Where Rosemary's Baby Was Born, (gasps) the Dakota. (gasps) Good one. Okay. When John Lennon and Yoko Ono moved into the Dakota on 72nd Street in Central Park West in 1973, they were aware the building was rumored to be haunted. So they hired a medium to conduct a seance in their 7th floor apartment and reached Jesse Ryan, the recently departed wife of Dirty Dozen actor Robert Ryan, 
who sold them the unit. So this was an apartment building. Okay. And it's quite gorgeous. Ooh. No blithe spirit, Jessie promptly announced that she intended to stay in the couple's digs, which did not make the Ryan's daughter, Lisa, happy. If my mother's ghost belongs anywhere, she told Ono, it's here with me. Most of the Dakota spirits don't belong here, of course, but they seem to have been in residence since the building was completed in 1884. Oh. Built for Singer Sewing Machine President Edward S. Clark in Manhattan's then rural... I hate that word. Rural and horror. Rural. (laughs) Upper West Side. The German Renaissance Revival structure was reportedly called the Dakota because its location was as remote as Dakota Territory. So it wasn't even North Dakota and South Dakota yet. Oh, okay. It was Dakota Territory. Did not know that. Yeah. Over time, the Dakota's sinister reputation has grown along with its environs. This was, after all, where Lennon was murdered in 1980. Ono, meanwhile, still lives there. And Ira Levin used it as the setting for his classic 1967 novel, Rosemary's Baby. Though the novelist called it the Black Bramford, he drew on the Dakota's dark mojo for inspiration. Over the years, one character said, the Bramford has had far more than its share of ugly and unsavory happenings. In Levin's world, these include cannibalism, witchcraft, Satanism, and murder. Wow. Yeah, that's... that's, All of it. That's a lot of shit. Yeah. But he may well have added the real-life spirit of a beautiful blonde girl in a yellow dress. Some Mm. have called her the house ghost, others a bad omen. It's my birthday, she allegedly said to a painter who later fell to his death. (laughs) Others have seen the ghost of a man with the face of a small boy. No, thank you. Nope. Don't like that. Nope. And a mysterious fire started inside the writer Rex Reed's apartment. I thought, welcome to the Dakota, he later told Stephen Birmingham in Life at the Dakota. Here, elevators move on their own. Footsteps are heard where no mortal walks. Rumbling sound through the walls, and the past seems to coexist with the present. A chandelier was seen through the window of one resident's apartment as he walked to the building, despite the fact that he had no chandelier, only remains of one. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, can we leave the mm-hmm. chandelier? That can stay. Could you quit fucking with stuff? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Many phenomena seem to emanate from the basement, including the so-called man with a wig, who is known for taking off his wig and shaking it angrily. Well, that's odd. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how to process that at the moment. No, don't shake your wig at me. <laughs> Get out of here, kids. Like, I don't, I Get don't out of my basement. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In Levin's novel, Rosemary calls the basement kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. So does singer Roberta Flack, a longtime resident who refuses to enter it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm going to agree. I don't like basements. This building has been occupied by a lot of strong people, she's told Birmingham. They stay. They have memories. They come back. Mm. The end. Oh. Well, this was fabulous. So, I wonder if I didn't chick, know about this place. I did not. Well, I mean, I, I knew about it from the movie and John Lennon and stuff, but I didn't know any of the story. Apparently, it's haunted. Well, it's where? we just need to go there. It's where? It's in New York. New York. Well, it's connected to Central Park. 
<gasps> so that's another place to go because it's New York. Well, I want to begin go, with. I want to go there anyway, so bad. Yeah, so bad. Okay, so my question though. Okay, it's not a serious question. <laughs> oh, okay. The lady in the yellow dress. Uh huh. She said it's my birthday. Uh huh. I think she just wanted that painter for her birthday. Maybe. Well, she killed him, so she got him. <laughs> she got him. <laughs> she got her a painter. <laughs> ah, wow. This is so cool. I love that book. Me Magazine, too. whatever. Whatever we shall call it. I love it. Oh, yeah. we haven't been posting photos. We haven't been posting photos. Shit. I'll update it. Okay. I'll get on it. All right, friends. Well, send us spooky stories. Go to the um, Devil's Not Event page. Yeah. Come to the Haunted Trail. Yep. You um, can buy your tickets now or when you get there. Mm-hmm. Participate in the contest so maybe you can come for free. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, don't forget about Pajama Party. Everybody loves a good pajama party. Mm-hmm. Oh, and... Surprise! Next week, mm-hmm. we are going to have... Special guests here. Very special guests. Mm-hmm. Recording with us. So we'll have Faith and Amber here from mm-hmm. Moonlit Artisans. Yeah. They are very talented artist oh friends. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Crazy talented. So we're super excited to have them join us for this um, little mix up and episode here. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of murdery stuff lately. So we've got a little, we're throwing a curveball at you. Mm-hmm. Because so. we should. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's it's gonna be fun. Keep you on your toes. Uh huh. And they are equally as um, macabre and spooky. No, you know what? They're more than us. They, they may even be a step further. They win. They're they, witchy they bitches. Definitely win. They're witchy bitches, and we love them. They are cool as shit. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's time for bed. It is time for bed. Hi, so we're gonna go. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagen for art. We'll talk at you next week.